Orbital Gardens, this is Mission Control. We are confirming acquisition of your signal. You are live in 5, 4, 3, 2... Hello and welcome to episode 36 of Gardeners of the Galaxy, the podcast for all of the sentient beings in the universe who have a passion for plants. I'm Emma the Space Gardener and I will be your host as we explore gardening on Earth and beyond. In this episode, we're going to hear from a scientist who's growing plants in lunar and Martian regolith, right here on Earth. My name is Vigo Wamelink. I work at Wageningen University and Research, and I'm an ecologist and a space farmer. Before we get to that, though, I'd like to say thank you to my patrons for their support. From just a pound a month, you can join our community of space gardeners and support the show. Visit patreon.com forward slash gardeners of the galaxy to find out more. And now, if you'll all join me in the shuttle, we're going to hop over to the Netherlands, where for the last few years, Vika Vamelink has been conducting some exciting space research in his greenhouses. Why did you get interested in growing plants in space or on Mars and the Moon? Well, that dates back uh, to my youth. I was very much in astronomy, so I read all the books that there were for children. And then I started with the books uh, from the grown-up uh, library. Astronomy was already there for my youth. I'm a huge uh, sci-fi fan, like a lot of people in this business are. Yeah. And I also liked being outdoors, looking at the plants that grow. In the end, I decided to become an ecologist. And I worked for, well, let's say over 30 years already as an ecologist at the Wageningen University. Uh, at a certain moment... I came up with the idea to combine those things, also because I was annoyed, by the way, <laughs> to set up an experiment that was really out of space. <laughs> I applied several times for some money to do an extraordinary experiment. And yeah. they always said, well, this is not innovative enough. And then uh, I really got annoyed. So I came up with the idea, well, let's combine some of my hobbies and see if you can, in principle, grow plants on Mars or on the moon, and then not on the surface, because I already knew it is impossible to do so. Yeah. Because of the circumstances there, that cannot be done. But I was very curious about, well, let's say soils. Officially, I should say regolith. Yeah. But that are there, and I thought maybe they can serve as a medium to grow plants in. And I wrote that down in a proposal. And it was purely theoretical because I knew that there was uh, a lot known about the composition of Mars and Moon soil. So I thought maybe I can use the work I did here on Earth because we have a huge database with plant species of which we know under which circumstances, soil circumstances, they can grow and they cannot grow. So let's see if based on that I can estimate which species in principle could grow on these soils and a bit to my surprise I got the money <laughs> so I was quite happy well and then I started doing what you normally should do beforehand huh? uh, look into the into literature and to see what's actually known but also to find out that nobody ever did that which was good and uh, I found out that NASA that was uh, still then only the JSC1A, so the first generation of Martian soils, yeah. that, that they were available for research, at least you could buy them. And then I totally changed the whole experiment 
So I changed it from something theoretical into something, a real experiment. Uh, so I did that after I got the money. <laughs> well, and that became, of course, the first experiment we did uh, on Mars soil and also moon soil simulant. Yeah. It was, as far as I know, but I'm pretty sure, the first large-scale experiment to do so and to try so. Yes, because it was quite a large experiment. You had a lot of plants and a lot of different species of plants, didn't you? Yes, uh, we had uh, 14 different plant species and not only crops, because, uh, well, the soil arrived and the first thing we did was, well, first thing we did was ask NASA, uh, do you know anything about the composition? Uh, yes, of course, the mineral composition, no problem. Yes, but that's not what I need. Uh, I want to grow plants on it. What? <laughs> what are you What are you going to do? <laughs> well, okay, but they never analyzed it in a way that we need it because plants, of course, they grow in the soil, but the nutrients come from the soil solution. So it's very important. What of the nutrients and other elements go into soil solution? And that's what I see that they, they detect it and they can use it. Well, and NASA never uh, did any analysis on it because they used the soils to test the rovers in and the suits and all those kinds of things. Yeah. And actually our first test was what happens if you add water to it? Because they could not tell. <laughs> well, and that's the most simplest of experiments, of course, but nobody knew. And uh, that's also funny. I've got a little movie about that uh, on our YouTube channel, but it is very hydrophobic. So if you add water to it, it just stands on top. <laughs> and of course, that's already problematic. Yes. So it started with all kinds of problems. And uh, of course, we did the analysis in the end and we found out that well most elements that you need and uh, nutrients are there in the soil so that's not a problem but uh, nitrogen so either in the form of nitrate or ammonium was very rare yeah. and of course that's one of the key elements that uh, plants need to grow yeah. so that i already knew was going to be a big problem and then i go back to my plants because i choose not only crops because i know well crops are a bit spoiled yes. uh, they like it when they have lots of nutrients and then they grow well but they're not very good with uh, coping with not optimal circumstances yeah so that's why i also choose 10 different wild plant species so they grow here in the netherlands because they're much tougher and i knew and i thought they may grow yeah, I had uh, one from the dune area, and we know that the dune is pure sand. There's almost no water in it, almost no nutrients, yeah. almost no organic matter. So very similar to the soil we had. And that's why I chose also those plant species. So we only had four crops in the first experiment. Uh, garden cress always grows as long as you give it water. Yeah. Uh, so, well, hopefully that would grow. Uh, tomato. <laughs> Uh, carrot and uh, rye and the rest were wild plants and we had 14 plant species in total but as I said had I, I already knew that the soil would be uh, problematic because of our analysis and I also knew that there were heavy metals in the soil right. like zinc cadmium lead so you had to be careful and well that's normally okay with the plants as long as it's not in high concentrations, so very high. Uh, the only thing 
that would be very high in concentration is iron, but normally plants can cope with it. But I knew that the moon salt simulant also had aluminium, and aluminium is very toxic to plants as well as, as when it goes in the solution. Yeah. All in all, my expectations were very low. And that's why I had 20 replicas of each species. And I did five seeds per pot, so I had 100 seeds per species. That's quite a lot. Yes. And I had 14 species. And of course, I had the Mars soil simulant, the Moon soil simulant, and an earth control, uh, which was also nutrient poor soil. So in total, that made 4,200 seeds in total. Wow. Which we wanted to follow every day. Yeah. And we wanted to see if it germinates, if it dies, or uh, hey, if it gets a root or a germ, and uh, if it would grow on, get first leaves. Well, and that was about it, we thought. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, well, we hoped for, and that's why we did 100 seeds per species, that maybe some of them would germinate. But much to our must say it was almost horrible, uh, yeah, <laughs> horrifying, that um, first thing we not anticipated that was garden grass and rye germinated within 24 hours. Wow. So our, our sheets were not ready yet. They had to make all the notes. So we had to make them very quickly from the printer because luckily I did go <laughs> check the, the, the next day, but I saw they were already germinating and it was really a lot of work, but over half the seeds germinated. Now you can imagine only that was already a lot of work. And yeah. especially on the Mars soil, a lot of plants did grow on. So they didn't die, they just grew on. Uh, so it was enormous amount of work, but we managed. And in the end, we, yeah, we had a big result also that even garden grass uh, and also rye started to flower. Okay. That was way beyond what we expected because yeah. we thought, well, maybe a few will germinate and that's it. But uh, even in that first experiment, we already had, well, uh, every species germinated. And uh, also on moon soil simulant, although there a lot of plants died. Uh, several reasons, we think. The aluminium, of course. Yeah. The water holding capacity of the soils is very, very low. That is for both also because there's no organic matter in it. But for uh, moon soil, it was really difficult because we had to water the pots, well, two times a day. Okay. So we did it in the morning and in the evening, but yeah. that even was not enough. Wow. And what also was, I think, a problem is that especially the moon soil simulant is quite sharp. Uh, it has lots of sharp edges, and that's correct because that's also the case on the moon. Yes. So it was correct. But uh, I think it really punctures the roots. So, and if you, the roots are punctured, then they're starting to leak. And of course, you can imagine that's not very good for the health of a plant. No. So uh, I think those things all yeah, limited the growth on the moon soil simulant. But at the Mars soil simulant, it was quite the same as our Earth soil, which was nutrient poor soil, but nevertheless. So very very unexpected mm. and we were very very happy about it of <laughs> course <laughs> okay so i mean there were some surprises there but some sort of very promising results that it it might be possible to grow grow food on another planet so what came next was that where you added some organic matter 
Yeah, the next stage we added some organic matter because it was clear that was what was lacking. And the, the plants did grow, but the tomatoes, they were, well, let's say a few inches high and they had four leaves. That was oh, it. So no tomato fruits to eat, something yeah. like that. So at the garden crash, you could eat and they did flower. But and, and we had seeds in the end. But uh, well, you, you could have eaten maybe 10 leaves. So you will be very hungry then. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, of course, yeah nitrogen was lacking and also the problems with the water giving and one of the things that you can do in such cases is add organic matter and since we had uh, well we should have had the harvest from the first experiment but that was all gone because we had to do all kinds of analysis we added some grass cut it in small parts and then added it to the soil and mixed it and that gave a huge difference because water giving was no problem anymore. Huh? Organic matter can hold water very well. It makes the soil, soil more open so that it's also easier to water the plants, especially in uh, moon soil simulate. It also binds heavy metals. Right. So uh, you, you also lose your uh, free aluminium by that huh? as long as it stays in the soil or in the organic matter. But organic matter also mineralizes, of course, so yeah. you get nutrients released. Yeah, well, that, that made a huge difference. So that was our second experiment. We already had crops we could harvest. So we had radishes we could harvest, and we had tomatoes, very small ones, but still. Yeah, they were, I think, uh, between one and two centimeters in diameter. Did you try them? Were they tasty? No. No, no, no. Uh, we never tried them uh, because I was very worried to eat them. And uh, I was also not allowed to because we had to control first if the heavy metals would end up in the plants or not. Yeah. I thought it would be safe because we analyzed the soil and the soil solution and we knew that there were no heavy metals in the soil solution. So most likely they are also not present in the plants, yeah. but we had to check. And we did that afterwards, but of course, then uh, <laughs> the fruits were gone. Yeah. So I could not even taste them. Yeah, no, we were not allowed to either. Uh, you have to be very careful with yeah. these kind of things. Okay, so I mean, was that the point at which you got ambitious and added the worms? Or did you go on to do the, the fertilizing first? Yeah, uh, well, we became very ambitious. Yes, that's <laughs> correct. <laughs> Uh, but we did first uh, a real, the real big experiment uh, with uh, huge pots, a huge amount of sand. But we had huge pots. We had also had potatoes and uh, carrots, huh? for which you need quite a lot of, uh, of soil. Yeah. But uh, the idea was then to get a big as possible harvest. So do it under normal stack circumstances. That is, uh, so we added organic matter to the soil, the same amount as what you would ideally have on normal earth soil. We compared with earth potting soil, by the way, so not anymore with uh, the poor sand, but normal earth potting soil. We also added nutrients, and that is to mimic uh, the recycling of uh, human feces. Okay. Uh, and we didn't do that uh, for real back then, but uh, we instead we used the nutrient solution. And okay. Uh, then we had a very big uh, harvest and again, we checked everything and I designed the uh, experiment in such a way 
that we had all kinds of different fruits, well, leaves that we would eat. Uh, so we had potatoes, so they grow under the ground, also, also the carrots, but we also had radishes again, so they kind of grow below and uh, above ground. Uh-huh. Uh, but we also had spinach, for instance, garden cress again, but also rye, of which you eat the seeds, and also, again, the tomatoes, which grew out of the greenhouse. <laughs> so that was a problem. Uh, so, so where you eat the fruits, and that was to be able to test all kinds of different parts of the plant that you eat uh, to check that for if there were uh, heavy metals in it or that it was safe to eat because well some plants they can store the heavy metals in their leaves some other do in their seeds or in the fruits so and you had to be very careful especially the below ground they had to be cleaned very thoroughly to prevent that uh, you eat the soil yeah and uh, well after we checked that we had a very big harvest uh, we invited uh, our our experiment is uh, funded by uh, crowdfunding, and we invited the people over to Wageningen to have uh, the first Martian meal, <laughs> and it was a very very nice meal because it was cooked by students from uh, the hotel uh, school here, and they also teach them uh, how to make a real nice, uh, well Michelin star worth uh, meal. Uh, so uh, we had a very, very nice and tasty meal. Of course, without without beef or anything from animals, because uh, you will be vegetarian uh, on Mars and on the yeah. moon. So only vegetables. But uh, we had a very nice meal. That's fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then after we did that, we knew basically how to grow large amounts of food on these soils. But uh, we already realized in the first experiment that it's not only about growing crops, it's much more. And that is the part of the research, and that's going to be a much more complicated part of the research where we're working on at the moment. Uh, What you need is not only to grow plants, but you need a kind of uh, circular closed agricultural system. Because there is nothing on Mars, there is nothing on the moon. And you cannot allow anything to get lost. Something we forgot more or less on Earth here. Yes. But it's needed in space because if, if you get something lost, you're immediately in problem. So that means that not only you need to grow crops, but you have to recycle organic matter for which you need at least, we think, worms, bacteria, and maybe fungi. Yeah. Of course, you need also uh, some kind of pollinators. We already noticed that in the first experiment because we had the garden grass that was flowering. And yeah, of course, you won't have seeds then have it because you close the cycle yeah. and the seeds are for the next generation. So don't eat all the seeds, but you need them. We need, for instance, bumblebees to be brought to Mars as well for the pollination. Yeah. And we did it with a paintbrush and did pollinate our plants ourselves. But yeah, you're not going to do that on Mars. That's way too laborious. So you have to find another solution for that. You could bring flies as well. And that also brought us to the humans. Well, first thing, I need the humans, of course, to eat my crops. Yes. But I also need them to produce manure. <laughs> I had to manure the soil. 
And uh, that's extremely important because hey, our manure, our feces, hey, our poo and pee, that's nutrients for the plants. Yes. So and we've been working on that lately with great success, I must say. We first started with uh, urine that was collected at festivals in Amsterdam. I love this story because you had you had a problem, didn't you, with um, whether or not it was going to be safe to use? Yes, that's a problem because it's, well, it's Amsterdam. <laughs> and you can imagine, uh, it was from festivals, from the Dixies that are uh, over there. And so you can imagine that the urine may contain a bit more than only urine. Some, some interesting chemicals, perhaps. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, especially in Amsterdam. So that was a bit of a worry. Uh, you can't use the, the pee like that. But yeah, the, um, the urine is collected in Dixies and then it goes to the sewage plants and there is purified. And what they do is actively remove a part of the urine and that is struvite and that uh, contains only and only of magnesium, ammonium and phosphate. And it's almost pure, so it's very safe to use. Okay. So, and then, of course, the chemicals won't be in. But what is more important is that humans also use uh, medicine. And you don't want your medicine and the remains of it together with the manure, because yeah. then you would pollute the soil. And that, that's actually the bigger reason, eh? especially on Mars. Uh, well, you never know, but... Probably there won't be any port or anything like that on Mars no. for now, I think. <laughs> but medicine, of course, there will be. So yeah. that's one of the things you have to be careful. And, well, we had that struvite. By the way, it's uh, salt so and it isn't smelly. So uh, it's very convenient to work with. And we added that to uh, green beans. And that worked very good. And especially on the moon salt simulant, because... Mass soil simulant is quite good soil to grow plants on. Yeah, It works well. But moon still was a problem. Uh, we have, of course, the sharpness that's still there. But uh, it also has a very high soil pH. So uh, somewhere around 10 to 11, which is very high and yeah. is way too high for growing crops. And normally you have seven. So that's several factors too high. And one of the problems then is the availability of phosphate, yeah. one of the key nutrients for plants. Since we added uh, the struvite, which contains a lot of phosphate and it really easily dissolves in water, we saw a huge difference in growth and also in harvest on the moon soil simulant, yeah. adding struvite. So that was a big success. And this year... For the first time, I had some students and they were willing to work with it. We worked with human poo. Uh, it was fermented first because there are, of course, a lot of bacteria in. Yes. They can be dangerous. You have to be very careful. That was fermented at a special part uh, here in Wageningen. They collect poo from my colleagues and that is fermented. And that's been used now to grow the first batch of rye on and also that worked very well so you could you'd see a huge difference between the rye that was grown uh, with and without uh, human feces i didn't even have to measure it you could <laughs> see it yeah it was very clear so it works but we didn't do any official uh, experiment with it it was just a student experiment and for me that's a pilot experiment yeah 
uh, to see if it works or it doesn't work. But you see that all these components uh, I'm talking about now, uh, the human feces, uh, the worms, the fungi, the bacteria, the pollinators, they all have to be brought over there yeah. to make that uh, agricultural system work. That's a much bigger problem to setting that up than just growing the crops. Because for instance, for bacteria, I want to bring rhizobium bacteria because yeah. they can take N and 2 from the air and turn it in the end into nitrate. So they can manure the soil. And they grow very well together with pea, also with green beans and soy, for instance. So you could have crops and you could manure your soil in the same time. So it's a wise thing to do. But the question then is, can they live alone? Well, most likely, yes, but we don't know for sure. That's something we don't know. Yeah. We need a bacteria to mineralize the organic matter. So it releases the nutrients again even for the poo that is needed, for the human poo. Yeah. And, um, well, we know what bacteria that are, but we don't know if those bacteria can survive in the soil on their own or that they need other bacteria. So do I need to build a bacterial ecosystem over there? That's touching and even going over the limits what we know about ecology of the soil at the moment. Yeah. Uh, of bacteria in the soil, we maybe know 5% that they exist, but only from a few we know what they do. And that's problematic for me. And there I need not just need to look into, can I do this on Martian soil? No, the question is, uh, how does it work also here on Earth? And uh, there a lot of help is needed. <laughs> <laughs> And of course, you could say, well, just bring a little bit of soil from Earth. But I think that's not wise. And we have to prevent doing that uh, because then you also bring a lot of diseases. And that's something yeah. you don't want. Hey, you only want to bring the bacteria and also fungi you need and not the one that bring diseases. Yeah. So you have to be very careful about that. So that's a lot of questions, mm -hmm. things we do not know yet. Meanwhile, we're having a lot of fun doing the experiments we're doing. <laughs> yes. And this week, a student of mine, uh, Rebecca, started a new experiment. I've got many students, of course, that do all kinds of research for me. But she started a big experiment. And there we're going to look into, can we have a higher harvest if we don't do what we do on Earth, namely monoculture? Yeah, we have a field of rye, we do have a field of beets or whatever but if we can grow them together in one pot do we see that there is commensalism yeah. so uh, if you put those three together do you have a higher harvest than when you have those separately in one pot that's already interesting for earth of course yeah. and i knew because uh, well i studied plant breeding a long time ago and already in the second year we had to do an experiment where we looked at that and there, I know still that you could see that if you grow two species together, that you get a higher harvest in total. Yes. But it's very difficult to harvest it. And yeah, uh, we are so mechanical at the moment that uh, we almost cannot cope anymore with more than one species on the field. Yes. But if you are on Mars, that would be worthwhile to try because... Every cubic meter, of course, is difficult to build and to make, and every cubic meter counts. Yes. So 
the more efficient it is, and also the more robotized it is, the better it is, and the more efficient. And well, maybe for Earth, it's not the solution. I think it should be the solution, by the way, but at least on Mars, I think it is the solution. Exactly. And yeah. well, here in Wageningen, we already have robots that can select and pick fruits, so automatically harvest them. And as long as they can do that robotically, then you can grow crops uh, together because you can easily harvest it. Yeah. Okay. No, so a lot of things still <laughs> to work on and yeah. to think about. Yeah. You've also done some amazing work looking at the effect of radiation on crops. I mean, you were saying at the beginning that we're not going to be able to grow crops on the surface of Mars, and that's at least partly because of the radiation, isn't it? Yes, true. Uh, radiation is a problem. Yeah, well, uh, there are several problems with the Martian and also moon surface. There's no air or almost no air, which is already a problem. Yeah. On the moon, it's either very cold or very hot. And cold is minus 200 and hot is uh, over 100 plus degrees. Yeah. Mars is also very cold, normally minus 60, 65 degrees uh, centigrade. Um <laughs> So it's really below freezing. There's no liquid water. So that's already problematic. But Mars and also the moon, they don't have a magnetic field like the Earth has. And we're protected from cosmic radiation, alpha, beta, and gamma radiation. Uh, that's coming from the sun, but also from the other stars. Yeah. And UV light as well. We are protected from that. But Mars does not have its magnetic field anymore. Probably also the reason why it lost uh, its atmosphere. And even if you would grow your crops in a kind of greenhouse or a tent, like in The Martian, eh? one of my favorite movies. Oh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> the radiation would not be blocked, so it would end up in the tent in the greenhouse. For humans, that's already a problem because it's 17 times higher uh, normally than what we receive on Earth. So we know for humans it's a problem, but nobody ever thought of that it might be a problem for plants as well. Also, nobody ever investigated that. We did radiate plants here also in Wageningen. We had our own uh, reactor to do that. It's still there. It's not working, but we are still <laughs> having it uh, for, I think, a couple of thousand years. Yes. <laughs> but that was always a very huge, large dose for a very short time yeah. uh, to to see if there was any damage to the to the DNA and if we could do actually plant breeding with it. Yes, we call it atomic gardening. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense, but it doesn't. But uh, <laughs> that was what we did in the past, and it worked for a part. Now we don't do that anymore, of course. We've got much better and different techniques to do so. But nobody ever tried it at relative low dosages. Yeah. But for continuous time well i was not sure so we started it up together with the university of delft because they have a small uh, nuclear reactor where they can do all kinds of experiments uh, nobody in delft was working with plants anymore so they were very interested and we set up the experiment and already our first experiment which was difficult because safety precautions yeah. uh, it is radiation uh, so it was very difficult but it's published now and uh, we already saw in the first experiment that especially garden cress, but also the rye uh, showed very strange growth. Yeah. Uh, there was a growth reduction, 
but also we saw uh, necrosis, so uh, coloring of the leaves, and not only brown, but also very, very black, Ooh. which is a real bad sign. Yes. Uh, we had curly leaves, well, all kinds of strange forms of plants that were growing. So already that first experiment indicated that the long-term radiation, 17 times higher than they used to, that that could be problematic. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And we didn't look at DNA back then, but of course, if the seeds were also uh, affected, then it could be that the seeds will not germinate. Yeah. Okay. I wanted to ask you a bit about eating the cress grown on different simulants and there is a difference in flavor. Oh, yes. Yes. That was a big surprise for me as well. We had the garden cress, the rucola, if you know what it is, because the Americans call it different. Yes, rocket. We call it rocket. Rocket. Yes, yes. Much better name for it. <laughs> and the Americans call it arugula. Uh, yes, arugula, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, right, but rocket is a very good name if you grow it on, uh, on Mars, yes. I think. And, and uh, we had the tomatoes, and we had those people over to... To, for the dinner but uh well i first uh, talked about uh, our experiment so in the lecture room and the students they prepared a little dish with three different tomatoes on it and then later on also with a rocket and they were allowed to taste it and they were harvested from moon soil martian soil and earth potting soil yeah and we asked them afterwards if people tasted difference in it and we also of course asked them which one they liked the best. Uh-huh. And I think almost everybody said that they tasted differences between both for the tomatoes and for the rocket. Yeah. And everybody had its own favorite. Yeah. And that was one third, one third, one third. <laughs> so you can't tell. Uh, but um, I also tasted it. And uh, for me personally, is that I think that the Martian tomatoes are the best because they taste sweet okay yeah sweeter than the other two and that uh, moon rocket is more spicy than the other ones well that's nice as my taste huh? so yeah but we checked it and that was really puzzling because uh, in Wageningen we have a mass spectrometer and that's a very interesting apparatus because you can uh, measure plant substances with it in one go over 600 of them yeah so that's including proteins, uh, sugars, flavonoids, eh, all those things that give taste, uh, secondary plant products. And we had it checked and the people who did it uh, were very, very disappointed because they could find almost no differences. Yeah. So all of them were almost the same, which means that they taste the same. They should taste the same. <laughs> but everybody thought there was a difference. And actually, this was a good result for me. Because this means that, well, the tomatoes and also the rockets, they are basically the same. So they have the same nutritional value. Yeah. They have the same vitamins. And of course, that's very important for me. Okay, so you've said in interviews in the past that you don't want to go to Mars. You don't want to commit to, to going to live on another planet. So that's fair enough. Or spend a long time in space. And, and I can understand that because it's very much like camping. That's what it looks like to me. <laughs> no, it's even worse, I think. Uh, I think it looks like Big Brother. It's like camping without the fresh air. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you said that you would be happy to go and take a trip to the moon. So yes. 
if you were going to the moon and you could take one plant with you and all your mm-hmm. food needs are met, so this is your personal plant companion, what would you choose and why? Yeah, uh, it's difficult because my first reaction would still be to bring something you could also eat. Well, yeah, you can. That's may- allowed. <laughs> may- yes, and may- maybe that should be then a tree. Yeah, so that you have apples or oranges, especially yeah. oranges, because of the vitamin C. Uh, you can use it then also to protect yourself from the radiation, because if you have a lot of vitamin C and vitamin E, and you eat it a lot, that helps against an, uh, radiation poisoning, because yeah. what radiation does is that it uh, gives free radicals in your cells, electrons, and vitamin E and C can neutralize them. Yeah. Yes. So, um, but still, that is something you want to grow because you have to. So, and you asked me, bring something you like. And then I decided on to bring a bonsai, uh-huh. a bonsai oak. Oh, lovely. I like bonsais. I don't have one in-house, but I do have a, a tree outdoors, which I treat as a bonsai. It's about one meter high okay. and I clip it and I like it. I, I like to clip, <laughs> I must say. <laughs> It's very nice. It's a slow-growing plant, so it doesn't need that much space. And it is a lot of work. And I am afraid, especially when you're in the rocket, but also when you're living there, you don't want just to work. Yes. But there won't be much else to do except for look outside uh, through that one glass window you have and which you have to be very careful with. And then I think that you have something to care for and sympathize with is very important. Yeah. Uh, so it for me, it would be that bonsai oak. And that's also one of the reasons why I once said, well, maybe we should bring chicken to Mars, uh, which sounds like a stupid and very crazy idea. No, I love chickens. But, uh, well, you probably know then that uh, chickens, they will give you the eggs. Uh, and that is very interesting for your diet. Yes. Well, if they get old, you could eat them, but I don't know <laughs> if not. you want to. <laughs> exactly. Um, but they can be pets. And a pet, of course, can be yeah. very important. When you're there on Mars half a year or so uh, with four or eight people, it could be v- extremely important to have a pet. Yeah. The only thing is, and, and of course, chicken give very good manure. Yes. And they eat everything. So yes, they could. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they could eat our, re- not, not, not our remains, but uh, the remains uh, the of the things we yeah. don't, yes, the leftovers, they, they, they just will eat it. So that's very handy. They could be a part of that system. But there is a problem, as at least if you go to Mars, to the moon, it's no problem. Well, at least, how are you going to transport a chicken in space? Yes, you can't. Imagine <laughs> a chicken that wants to fly around and you but have also no I gravity think they, and lays eggs. They can't live in microgravity because they need gravity to swallow water. Most birds oh, do. Oh, I, I did not even think about that, but yeah. you're right. That's also a problem. Most birds yes. do, so birds are a problem, yeah. Yeah, but uh, of course, uh, a simple solution is bring eggs. Bring the eggs, yeah. But... I asked, the problem is that uh, eggs that are fertile, you can only keep them for about two weeks, right, no so longer. Yeah, you can get to the moon. Yes, you could get to the moon, Not that's easy, Mars. but you cannot get with them to Mars. 
I used to I used to have chickens. I used to have chickens. They are amazingly fun to yes. watch. And they will destroy your garden. <laughs> yes, completely. So never let them loose in your Martian garden because then you will be very hungry. I know. And and, and uh, since I also want to bring worms, they like worms. They also. like the worms. So, I was gonna say they'll eat you oh, worms. Yeah. Yes, they will fight for it. <laughs> they will <laughs> so bringing bringing chicken is chickens is quite complicated but still better than other animals besides insects and fish yeah i would say because insects could be uh, very interesting because we could eat them uh, the reason to bring them is that they are very efficient because uh 90 of what they eat they turn into well meat and animal yeah. and a chicken does that for 50%, but if you look at cows or pigs, then they only do that for 10%. Yeah. So they're very inefficient, and especially cows, they don't eat much more than grass. So uh, you need a lot of surface then to have a cow. Yeah. And that's basically not feasible at the moment. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I can't say we'll ever see cows on Mars. Uh, well, you never know. <laughs> I think maybe in the future, but we will both be long gone. <laughs> yes, I'm sure of that. Yeah, I don't see that happening in the next 100 years. No. Okay. Thank you for coming on the show and talking about your research because I'm a big fan and it's been absolutely fascinating <laughs> listening to you in person. Um, and I'm, I'm really going to keep an eye on what you're doing and, and what you're publishing because it's just so exciting. Mm, we're having a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's <Yes>. good. <laughs> it's always good yeah. to enjoy your work. Yeah, thank you for having me. You're most welcome. Bye. Bye-bye. If you want to know more about Vegas, Food for Mars and Moon Project, you'll find links to his social media, crowdfunding and research papers in the show notes at theunconventionalgardener.com. That's it for this episode and for this year. Gardeners of the Galaxy will be launching into your orbit again early in 2022. In the meantime, don't forget you can sign up to support the show at patreon.com forward slash gardeners of the galaxy. Podchaser is a great place to review podcasts and you can find me there by searching for Gardeners of the Galaxy. And I'm still posting daily space gardening photos on social media. You can find me at Orbital Gardens on Twitter and Instagram and Gardeners of the Galaxy has its own Facebook page. Thanks for listening and happy holidays. Goodbye. Orbital Gardens is mission control, confirming termination of signal. We've had a message from Mark Watney. Next time someone's near the rover, can they please check under the seat? He thinks he's left his house keys there. Mission control out.